0: Good morning. morning. No, that's horrible. Good morning. It is Easter, people. Come on. Um, It is Easter. Jesus is alive. And uh, this morning, because of that, we got something to celebrate in this place. Man, we're not talking about some old out-of-date story or some fairy tale. There is a man named Jesus who came and died on a cross. They put him in a tomb, and about 2,000 years ago, he exited on his own three days later. And that's something to celebrate this morning. So I don't know where you're at, 11 o'clock, but let's get some energy behind this thing. Ready? Ready? Man, um, good morning. Just ready to be with you guys. If you got your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Mark, so you can go ahead and flip open to that. Um, surprise! If you were here at nine, um, but um, just through the power of Jesus, I'm just praying that His Word is what it says it is. It's living, right? We can do it back to back two times, three times, 12 times, and it's going to be different and fresh every single time. So I'm just praying through his power this morning that he would say more than what I can say, and he would do more than what I can do. Um, This morning, I want to say to you, if it's your first time, welcome. Um, I I would love to meet you after. My name is Brad, if we haven't met, and uh, just a pleasure for you to be here with us this morning and to celebrate this um, amazing, amazing thing that is the resurrection of Jesus. So, this morning, if you have your Bible, we're in Mark 16, and just to catch you up, because we're at the resurrection, um, we've we've got a little time-lapse here between Friday, where we met downtown and celebrated the cross, right? (laughs) And most of you, you must have not been there. It was, it was better than that. Um, man, just such an amazing thing, and we'll talk about that last, next week, but uh, to see people uh, all over the room just stand and say, I want to put my faith in Jesus, and uh, man, it's just such a good thing to watch uh, because our, our God is still the God who saves. And it doesn't matter today if you've been to church one time or a million times. Jesus is ready to meet with you today. And uh, we left on the cross on Friday, and Jesus had just breathed his last breath, he said, it is finished, and he closed his eyes, and Jesus literally died. The Son of God, the one who's the active voice, the agent of creation, if you read Colossians or even John chapter 1, this active voice of creation, this star breather became the sin bearer, and the one who breathed all of creation into existence ceased to breathe. Jesus, the Son of God, died. They took him off the cross. A man named Joseph of Arimathea, who was uh, a religious leader of the day uh, and a secret disciple of Jesus, went and he asked Pilate if he could have the body of Jesus. And they took him down off the cross and they placed him in in a tomb. And they rolled a stone in, in front of the door. And that was about what they had time for on Friday because Sabbath was coming. Saturday, this day of rest prescribed by God. On Saturday, and maybe even late Friday, the Sadducees, Pharisees, scribes, they went to Pilate and they said, Hey, Jesus has been telling the story of how he's going to be resurrected. We need somebody to come and we need him to guard the tomb because we don't want the disciples to come in and to steal the body and to start spreading the story of the resurrection. So Pilate sends a guard to this stone, a guard of Roman soldiers, elite killing machines, warriors, and they they guard the tomb and they place a seal on the tomb as to say, do not open, no admittance, you can't come in here. And I don't know about you, but if I was a disciple and I was tempted to steal the body, the moment I realized I'm a fisherman and he's a Roman soldier, that probably would have killed the plan for me. So all day Saturday, it's the day of rest, and the disciples can't do anything. They can't go and and visit the grave of their friend Jesus. He's just in the tomb that day. Um, And that brings us to where we are in the story in Mark 16. And it says, when the Sabbath, this day of rest, was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and then this weird name, Salome, um, or however you're going to say that when you go home, Brought spices so they could go, or bought spices so they could go and anoint him. Now, we think that this is like early on Sunday morning normally when we hear this, because the way our dates work, right, we have a day that ends at midnight and a day that starts at midnight. That's how it works for us, but that's not how it is in in Jewish culture. They don't work off the same calendar that we do, and they don't see days and time the same way that we do. So, their day actually changes when it starts to get dark. You go all the way back to Genesis, and we see that God started creating everything, and there was darkness, and then God created light. Darkness was first, right? God created darkness, and then he created light. And they, because of that, decided that the day would start when it started to get dark, and then the next day would start when it got dark again the next afternoon. So what we actually see at the beginning of 16 is at the end of the day, about 6 o'clock in the evening on Saturday, Mary and Mary and Salome went and they bought spices so they could go and they could anoint Jesus. Now, they had to anoint the body of Jesus, not because it was Jesus, and we love Jesus, and that's awesome, but because they buried people in this culture differently than we bury people in our culture. In our culture, we go and we dig a hole, then we put you in a box, we put you in the hole, we fill the hole back up. That's kind of how we do it, and that keeps a lot of things down. It keeps stink down, it keeps bugs down, all that stuff's kind of under the ground. We don't have to worry about that. I don't mean to be casual about that. That's just what we do. In this culture, what they would do is they would wrap you up and they would anoint your body with spices and then they would put you in a a hewn-out hole, maybe in the side of a rock, or they'd put you in some kind of tomb, uh, something above ground, and they would lay you on this table and they would allow your body to decay. And then they would come back and they would gather your bones and they'd put you in a box and then put you on the mantle, which sounds weird, but that's what they did, right? Maybe not the mantle, but somewhere. So they would anoint the body um, with spices as part of a proper burial because you were going to be basically outside above the ground doing all the decaying that you were going to do. Just keep the stench down. And at this point in the game, late Saturday and even into Sunday morning, Jesus had not received a proper burial. Jesus died about three o'clock in the afternoon on Friday, and the next day the Sabbath would have started about six o'clock. They didn't even know Jesus was going to die on the cross, regardless of how many times he said that, until early that morning when he was sentenced by Pilate the second time to go to the cross. There was not time to prepare a proper burial. So he dies at three. Here, Joseph gets together a plan, I've got to go and I've got to ask. Ask Pilate for the body. Pilate releases the body. They take the body down. They take it to the tomb. And you can imagine now we're getting really close to 6 o'clock. There's only time really to put him in there, roll the stone in front of the door, and then they get, have to get back because they have to rest on the Sabbath. It's God's law. You can't even really go outside of your house very far on the Sabbath day. So up until this point in time in the story, Jesus has not had a proper burial. They've not got to pay their last respects to this man who they love so much. And I don't know about you, but can you just imagine your relative dies and you can't do anything about it for three days? Your relative dies, you can't do, you can't bury him, you can't even make preparations for it for for a day, for three days. That's weird, and it'd be heartbreaking. And this is the story that we're kind of crawling into in this moment. And it says when the Sabbath was over or about six o'clock on um, Saturday evening, as we would know it, when Sunday would have started, Mary Magdalene, who is a person that we'll talk about one day and Mary, the mother of James, is a person we'll talk about one day. And Salome, they're not the heroes of the story, but they're good footnotes. Uh, And Salome brought spices So they could anoint Jesus, and they had to buy that, and they had to take it home, and they had to prepare everything and get it ready. So now we're kind of later into the night, and they, in two, very early in the morning, now we've passed midnight, we've come back around on the clock, and we're kind of getting towards daybreak the next morning. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, they went to the tomb at sunrise. Now, if some of you guys are here, and you're like, I'm pretty good at math, and I realize that Friday, Jesus died, and they placed him in a tomb, and then Saturday, he was in the tomb the whole day, and then early Sunday morning, he was resurrected. by you're telling me that's not three days, um, then that's awesome, and that's great. But in Jewish culture, um, you don't have to have a whole 24-hour period to equate to a day, right? Like, if Jesus would have died right before... Um, Right before Saturday started, about 6 o'clock, right, Friday night, right before that next day started, even if it was a minute before, two seconds before, that counts as a day. One part of a day equates to a whole day. So Friday, he died, about 3 o'clock. That next three hours counts as a whole day in Jewish culture. That's how it works. You don't have to agree. That's just how they do it, and that's the audience God is talking to. And then Saturday, um, that was a whole day, so there you can be on board with that. Amen, hallelujah, 24 hours. And then Sunday morning, if he stayed in the tomb for one minute past whenever the next day started. we were good so like six o'clock saturday night jesus could have just got up out of there right like that's that's the end of it that's the next day and that's three days god's not asking you to agree that's just what he's saying and it's true because god's saying it so this is very early in the morning on the first day of the week which is sunday they went to the tomb at sunrise Now, I just want to say here as a footnote, they were not going to the tomb to celebrate the resurrection party of Jesus. These women were not going and expecting to hang out with Jesus. They weren't going and expecting to do anything but to bury Jesus. And you're like, well, how do you say that? Well, they bought spices to go and anoint a dead body, they were going to a funeral they were going to properly bury their friend Jesus and it doesn't matter how many times Jesus said he was going to be resurrected if you would have saw what these women saw it would have been nearly impossible for you to think anything could go beyond that right Jesus was brutally murdered on a cross he was punished for innocence They nailed him to a cross, they beat him beyond the point of recognition, and they watched him hang for hours, bleeding as he was suffocating on his own blood. And then he died. And people don't just come back from that, right? Like, I don't know if you know this, but there were hundreds of thousands of people who were crucified. Jesus was not the only person to ever go to the cross. There were two other people with him that same day. There were hundreds of thousands of people across time that, that had been crucified. Jesus is the only one that's ever come back. They were not expecting to go to the tomb that day and find a resurrected Jesus. They were expecting to step into a funeral. And it says, as they were on their way to the tomb, they were saying to one another, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb for us? The last thing they saw, if you, if you read back in 15, kind of the end there, as they followed all these people carrying the body of Jesus to the tomb was this big stone rolled in front of the door. You roll a big stone in front of the door, not to keep dead people in, by the way, that was done to every tomb, but to keep things out. If you're burying a body above ground, then you can just imagine scavengers and things like that that might come in and kind of try to have a snack. I'm not, again, trying to be casual, but that's what it is. That's just how it happened. Somebody might come in and tamper with the body. Somebody might come in and even take the body. So they would place a big stone in front of the door so one person, two people even, couldn't come and move it so that animals couldn't get into it. And they'd seen this stone rolled in front of the door. And as they went there with the spices ready for the funeral, they began to think, how are we going to get in (laughs) to the tomb? They hadn't thought all that through, I guess, or maybe they could have asked one of the guys to come with them. How are we going to move that stone? They had no idea the guards were set there. They were in the house all day on Saturday. So they're coming to do this funeral, and they don't know how they're going to get in. And then it says in 4, looking up, they observed that the stone, editorial notes, thank you, Mark, which was very large, had been rolled away. They looked up, and they saw the stone had been moved now you might think, because you've heard the story, man, that's awesome, we're getting there, it's resurrection time, that's not what Mary Mary and Salome thought. The first things that would have went through their head would have been, oh man, the stone's not in front of the door, what's happened to Jesus? What's happened to the body? Did somebody do something to Jesus or did somebody do something with Jesus or did something get into the tomb? What has happened? It would have been a moment of fear, of uncertainty, of uh, just kind of terror, I guess, that something might have happened to your friend before you got to do what you needed to do. And in that moment of fear, it says they entered the tomb. They stepped down into the tomb. I think when we think of this, we think of the tomb being like this massive monument and this giant thing. You actually had to bend down to enter these tombs. This is a little door cut. Stoop down to look in the tomb, and they went in. This is when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man. First of all, that's weird. We weren't expecting that. And this man was dressed in a long white robe. Again, kind of weird. And he was sitting on the right side of Jesus. I'm assuming he doesn't mean the correct side of Jesus, just the right side of where Jesus would have been, right? And it says they were amazed and alarmed. They were amazed and alarmed. They stepped down into this place that was supposed to have the body of Jesus. And when they stepped in and they saw this man, who was an angel, by the way, spoiler alert, um, they were amazed... And they were alarmed. Now, that maybe, just so we all have a working definition this morning, amazed is a word that means, I've got the definition, it's coming. There we go. Amazed is a word that means to surprise someone greatly or to fill with astonishment. Now, those are kind of big words. So let's just go with stun or shock. Those are synonyms. They walked in and they were stunned or they were shocked at what they saw. And then the alarm or alarmed is an anxious awareness of danger. They felt like they were in danger and they were afraid and they were in panic at the moment. And and here's why, just to be honest. They still don't know what's happened to the body of Jesus they don't know who this man is, and every time you see an angel, if he happens to be one, it's not like everybody's like, oh, I'm scared, and they're afraid. Angels always have to start their dialogue with, hey, don't be afraid. Or you're just dead, and they don't talk to you at all. That's like the two-way angels work. Or something's happened to the body of Jesus, and they walk in, and they're afraid, and, and just quite frankly, they're in a grave, which is kind of weird too. And the angel says to them, don't be alarmed. I love this. He didn't say don't be amazed, did he? He didn't say don't be amazed. It's an amazing thing to be in in this empty tomb. It is an amazing thing to be here. He said, don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid. You don't have to step down into the empty tomb with fear is what he's saying. There's no reason to be afraid here. I know that maybe that's a message for the church today in itself. He didn't say, don't be amazed, did he? I think we enter on Easter and we're like, eh. Jesus, why? Because we've heard it, right? They, they had heard it. I just want you to know that. They had heard it over and over and over again. Jesus said his whole ministry, like, I'm going to die and then I'm going to be resurrected. Not a big deal. Just like Jonah was in the belly of the well for three days, I'm coming back out of the grave. He said that over and over and over again. That was part of his common teaching. That's the gospel and it's what he came to bring. And no matter how many times they heard it, they walked in and they were two things. And those two things were what? Amazed and alarmed. And the angel, he looks at him and he doesn't say, Don't be amazed. I know you've heard it before, don't be amazed. Oh, it's no big deal, Jesus is not here, it's no big deal. He didn't do any of that, did he? He said, don't be alarmed. You don't have to be afraid in the empty tomb. The empty tomb is not a place of fear, is what he's saying. You don't have to worry about where Jesus is. You don't have to worry about what's happened to the body of Jesus. You don't have to fear any of that stuff. There is no fear in the empty grave. There is no fear when you're stepping down into the grave, is what he's saying. There's no fear in the grave. No fear in the grave. Jesus is not here. There's no fear in the grave. You can be amazed. I want you to be amazed. Amazed is a good place, but you don't have to be afraid. And he says he told them, You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene. You're looking for Jesus, right? Can you imagine this conversation? I just want you to know you wandered into the right hole today. You're looking for Jesus, right? Not Jesus, son of Joseph, or Jesus, son of Joe Bob, or Jesus, son of Larry, none of them things. But Jesus of Nazareth, that's the one you're looking for, right? Jesus of Nazareth, that's the guy. Everybody on the same Jesus with me. I just don't want you to be thinking you wandered into the wrong hole or you took the wrong turn. I want you to know you're in the right place. You're just coming the wrong time. You want to see dead Jesus? You should have come yesterday. He's not dead anymore. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he goes on. He's just like, I just want to clarify Jesus that's been crucified. You're looking for that Jesus, right? Like just a few days ago, they took him up Mount Calvary. They put spikes in his body and they beat him beyond the point of recognition. That guy, like he suffocated on his own blood. That's the Jesus you're looking for. The one that Joseph brought and he placed in this tomb in that spot. That's the one you're looking for, right? I just want Before we go any farther, I want you to know this is the guy we're looking for. You didn't wander into the wrong hole today. You're not in the wrong spot today. This is his place. And then he says something weird, something that they would have had to get a dictionary to look up. There wouldn't have even been a word in the dictionary for. He says this He has been resurrected. No, he didn't say, don't be amazed. Let me just rewind. He said, don't be alarmed. You don't have to be afraid today, but we should be amazed today. He said to them, hey, I just want you to know you're in the right spot. You're in the right grave. You're in the right tomb. This is where he was. This is Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. Yeah, he's not here. He's been resurrected. And you can imagine Mary and Mary and Solomon being like, what? What is resurrected? Could you, could you pull out your dictionary and just tell me what resurrected means? Because I've never heard that word before. It's never happened before. So here's resurrected, because I want you to understand exactly what the angel is saying. Resurrected, or to resurrect, is to restore a dead person to life. Not restore a sleepy person to awakeness. Or restore a fainted person to alertness. There's religions that preach that about Jesus. That's not what the angel said. He's not saying, oh, he swooned in the tomb. He's saying he was dead. They killed him. They murdered him. They put nails in his body and he quit breathing. That's the guy you're looking for, right? Well, he's not here. He's been resurrected. He was dead. I want you to know that before anything else. You can never appreciate the resurrection until you understand that he really did die. It really was painful. It really did hurt. It wasn't easy on him. It felt just like it would if we drove nails into you. The son of God, it says in in Philippians, right? He didn't use his equality with God as something for his own advantage. In other words, pain hurt. And when he took the nails and the beatings and the stripes, it hurt. And it was not a fun experience to suffocate for hours on a piece of wood and to die. It was not fun. And it wasn't easy just because he was the son of God. It didn't help him in that category. And the angel in this word says, oh yeah, Jesus, yeah, the guy that was dead, he's alive. He's been restored to life. He was dead, but now he's alive. And then he says this crazy thing. He's not here. He didn't say, can I take a message? Because he wasn't coming back. He says, he's not here. He's been resurrected. Why would Jesus be here? Jesus doesn't hang out in graveyards because Jesus is not dead. There's no reason he would be in this hole. The angel's like, he told you this, right? Like, go read Matthew. He's like, didn't he tell you this? Luke, it even, I think it even says in Luke, like, remember Jesus who said he was going to be crucified and then he was going to raise again on the third day, like the angel even quotes. It's the same story. Different perspectives, right? Same story. And he's like, why would you even come here looking for Jesus? Jesus is not in the tomb. He's not in the tomb. He's been resurrected. See, Jesus can't even walk into a graveyard. If Jesus walks into a graveyard, everybody comes back to life. It's not a graveyard anymore. Jesus is a walking resurrection. It's what he does. He resurrects people. He's been resurrected, and he just continues to resurrect. It's part of who he is. And the angel says, he has been resurrected. He is not here. And then the angel does this amazing thing. He says, come and see the place where they put him. Come on over here. I want you to look at this place where they put the body of Jesus. I love that invitation. It's still actually the invitation today right like god is still inviting people into the empty tomb i love the fact that angel didn't just like prop up on the door and like kick back and he's like oh he's not in there just trust me you don't you don't need to see he's not in there take my word for it right he didn't do any of that he's not just like oh yeah he's not here just go away and put the stone back no big deal but he said come on in and he said, come and take a close look at the table where Jesus should be. Come, look, come lock your eyes on the resurrection place. He says, come get intimate with the resurrection place. Come and experience the empty tomb. Come into this place because this place is the place. I love this. He's like, hey, Mary, would you like to, would you like to touch the table? Would you like to come? You could you could feel it. Just lift just try to lift that up and make sure he's not down under there. Can you, it's like a magician, right? Like he's like, just can you just can you try to pull that out to make sure he's not in there? There's no smoking mirrors in the empty tomb. See, the, the crazy thing is, God, he's not afraid that we're gonna somehow figure out. He's hoaxed us into this idea that Jesus is alive. So he invites everybody to get as close as you can to the resurrection spot. He's like, I'm not worried that you're gonna figure out that I'm lying. I'm not lying. Come on in and lay down on the table if you want to. He didn't say, come see the place where Jesus is. He said, come see the place where Jesus ought to be, but he's not. See, all the situation and the circumstance of what had happened on Friday said Jesus should be in the hole. Everything they saw on the cross said Jesus should be on the table. And God's like, Come on in and look at the table. I know what everything says. I know what it looks like. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're expecting it to be. But come in here and get close, get real close, and get intimate with the resurrection spot. I want you to see this thing, and I want you to notice there's no Jesus here. I know he should be here, but he's not here. And that leaves us asking, Why is he not there? And their only explanation is that he's been resurrected. God took care of every other plot hole, didn't he? I don't have time to go over all those things this morning, but I just want you to know God says to the skeptics today, I don't care. I don't care that you're a skeptic. Come in. I can destroy your skepticism. I've, I've read books of people who have went out to prove there was no resurrection and they converted to Christianity because, man, when you get close to the resurrection spot, there's no other explanation that makes sense. People for thousands of years now have tried to disprove the resurrection and all those people are dead. And Jesus is still alive. They could produce one body and it would flat out kill the story, wouldn't it? If one of the disciples would have said, I took it, it would have flat out killed the story. They all died for their faith. The disciples went up against the guard. Yeah. Why would the Pharisees take the body and then allow the myth to be propagated that Jesus had been resurrected? They say, no, he's not. He's right here. So God says, come in to the resurrection spot because the only thing you're going to find in the resurrection spot is how death has been defeated look on that table there's the shattered remains of death right here man it's awesome it's like walking into a museum when you come to the resurrection spot and see it's not a tomb anymore it doesn't need to be used Jesus is not there it has to become something else so we walk in and we can look at the table and it's like well there's the shattered remains of death and there's the crushed head of the serpent it's right there There's sin and shame and guilt and condemnation. They're all on the table. Everything's on that table except for the one thing that we think should be on the table, and that's Jesus. So what's that mean for me? Well, it means if he can be resurrected, then through the same power that resurrected Jesus, I today can have a resurrection. The same power that lifted Jesus up off of that table and into heaven can lift me up out of my grave and into heaven. That's why the angel says, there's no fear in the grave. It wasn't just that grave. He was talking about every grave. Oh, be amazed. Be amazed that life is an opportunity. Be amazed that hope is a thing for you. Be amazed that you can get up out of this grave and be resurrected up into heaven. Be amazed at that because all of that comes through this spot. Come and look. Come and see the place where Jesus lay. Come and look because in that place is all hope and all freedom and all life. Get up close. Get intimate with the resurrection spot because in that place when you see that against all circumstances Circumstances and, and against all reality that we can even comprehend, Jesus came up out of that. It means I can too yeah, to the power of God. What's that mean for me today? Well, the Bible says that without Jesus we're what? We're dead. In Ephesians 2, it says you're dead in your trespasses and your sins. You're spiritually separated from God. But thanks be to God, he has resurrection power. He says, just come look. I was headed towards the, the, the wrath of God, but thanks be to God. He has resurrection power. And he says, come look, you don't have to be condemned to death. You don't have to have fear in the grave. You don't have to fear what's going to happen when you leave this place because Jesus has defeated death and hell and the grave. He's defeated sin, shame, and condemnation. He's defeated all those things. Come and see the place where Jesus lay. He's not there, but death is. He says, There's no fear in the grave. I love that today. God's still asking people to come and experience that today, isn't He? He's saying, Come, skeptic, I'm not afraid of your skepticism. Come, critic, I'm not afraid of you to criticize me. None of that bothers me because you're not going to prove me wrong. No day, no how are you going to prove me wrong? People have tried. I'll change your mind in the resurrection spot I'll change your mind on the resurrection table see in reality I should be dead that should be me you're like not physically probably I mean probably not I've done stupid stuff but I'm you know physically maybe I'm good but spiritually I should be dead I should be separated from God I should be on my way to an eternity separated from God, under the wrath of God. But God, who's rich in mercy, because of his great love, made us alive with the Messiah. He made us alive with the Messiah at his resurrection place. We find our resurrection place. see in reality there's so many of us in this building that have resurrection stories aren't there everything in our life says man there's no way in the world we should be here there's no way in the world i should be here i'm I'm a statistical anomaly i just want you to know that maybe you can't see that in this church but go to most other churches how many people my age are involved in church How many people of my age are standing on a stage talking about Jesus? And I'm not saying it's me. It has nothing to do with me. I'm a statistical anomaly. It's because somebody invited me in one day and they said, come here. I want you to see this. And I've never been able to get away from the resurrection space. I've never been able to get outside of this moment. Oh, I love the cross. I love the cross. On, on the cross, Jesus paid for the penalty for my sin and my shame and my guilt. But I just want you to know today, without the resurrection place, the cross was just a piece of wood and Jesus was just a crazy man or a liar. It's at the resurrection place. All our hope is found. It's at the resurrection place. We have freedom and life in abundance. It's at the resurrection place. We have this promise of better days. It's at the resurrection place. We don't have to be afraid of the grave anymore. It's at the resurrection place that God stands. He says, there's no fear here. Be amazed. Be amazed at what I've done. Be amazed that He's not here. And be amazed that you don't have to be here either. It's at the resurrection place. Some of you guys have had situations in your life that you shouldn't even be on the planet anymore. Some of you guys have been addicted to things, and God's called you out of those things. Some of you guys have been involved in things, and God's called you out of those things. And that's a story, and I just want you to know all of those stories are tied to that story. See, the reality is today we all have an opportunity for an empty tomb, but our only opportunity for the empty tomb is tied to His empty tomb And God today is saying, come see. Come see. All you who are weak and weary. And heavy laden, come see all you who are burdened down in sin and beaten down by guilt and shame. Come and see. There's an opportunity for resurrection. You don't have to live under the power of sin anymore because our God is a resurrecting God. You don't have to live under the weight of shame anymore because our God is a resurrecting God. You don't have to live in this boat of condemnation anymore. That table is broken and it's over. You can come and see where condemnation used to be, but today we have have something else we have a resurrection through a resurrecting God and because he's alive today I can be alive that's what Jesus says when he says I give you life And life more abundant. I didn't come to give you breath in your lungs. You've got that. And I didn't come to give you a heartbeat. I came to give you an eternity with me. I come to set you free from sin, shame, guilt, and the grave. I come to let you loose from hell. I come with the keys of all that stuff. And I unlocked it. And if you want to see, you just get really close to the resurrection table. Come and see. Come and see. So Father God, this morning we thank you for that resurrection place. God, this morning we thank you that God, there's nothing in this world that has hold over us. That Jesus, what you say at the resurrection place is I've defeated every enemy. What you say at the resurrection place is there's no death, there's no destruction, there's no condemnation. It doesn't matter what your situation looks like and it doesn't matter what you can even wrap your mind around today. Miracles happen in the resurrection place. You might have tried everything else, but I want you to know when you try this, miracles happen at the resurrection place. And today I'm saying you can come and see. Every person in the room today can come and see. Every person in the world today can come and see because there are no graveyards near Jesus. You cannot exist as a dead person in the typhoon, a hurricane of life he is this morning Jesus we just thank you that God we can all come to the resurrection table God it doesn't matter who we are or where we come from it doesn't matter what we've done there is life and freedom and hope and grace and goodness in this God and this morning God we're just praying that God you would just call that God, you would cut in the dark, that you would cut into the death, and you would say this morning, Come to the table. Come and see the place where Jesus lay. This morning, if that's you, for the very first time, or the hundredth time, or the millionth time, Jesus is still calling. For some of us this morning, I believe he's calling and he's saying, you can't have a resurrection anywhere else except for this spot. You've tried clean living. That's a farce, man. You've tried morality. That's a farce. You've tried religion. That's a farce. All that stuff is false and it can't do anything for you. But there's one person, one name, one place that can change everything. And it's the resurrection table. For you this morning, it's going to take something though. You can't have a resurrection until you realize that you're dead. This morning, maybe you got breath in your lungs and maybe you got a heartbeat, but I just want you to know that's not going to get you off this planet into eternity. It may get you all the way to the grave, but it'll get you to a grave. But it's only Jesus that gives life that goes beyond the grave. And that starts at the resurrection table. In the Bible, it says that we're dead in our trespasses and our sins, that it is us. We're not innocent. We've not been subjected to sin. We've ratified that agreement over and over and over and over and over today as we rebelled against our maker. And today he's saying, if you'll come and you'll put your sin in the grave if you'll come and you'll stack your condemnation and your fear in the grave, if you'll come in humility and you'll stoop down into the place and you'll stack all those things on that resurrection table and you leave them in the grave, you can come out in me. I'm a resurrecting God. And you don't have to live in that anymore. I believe God's calling people into that this morning. And I'll just say on the second end of that, some of you have been resurrected the first time, but then you went back under the weight of sin. You went back under the weight of guilt. You went back under the weight of shame. You went back under the weight of worthlessness. You went back under the weight of I'm not enough. You went back under the weight of addiction. You went back under the weight of all these things that the devil's trying to stack on you. And Jesus is saying, don't you know? You have been resurrected. And resurrected people don't stick around in the grave. And I just want you to know, no matter what the circumstances and the situation are saying about you today, through Jesus, the same power that raised him from the dead that lives in us, you can come up out of that hole today. You can come up out of that pit today. You can come up out of that slump today. You can come up out of separation and fear today. You can come up out of that, and you can be resurrected again into that life more abundant. So today I just want to say this, if that's you, either one of those things, I want to ask you just to come and pray. If you want to, you can stand where you are and pray. There's no magic in the front of this room. You can grab somebody sticking around and tell them to come pray with you, or you can just sit where you are and lift your hands. God sees you and he knows you and he hears you. And if you'll pray, he will answer.